pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we are midway through a series called BLESS. BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, is an acronym that we're walking through to assist us in coming up with a plan for evangelism. My guess is that most of us here don't really have a plan for what it means to reach out to people in our lives who need to know Jesus. We've been redefining evangelism, seeking to restore a word that has acquired a lot of negative associations. And the challenge is actually pretty basic. We want you to identify a few people in your life who you believe need to know the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's because you know that they're hurting. Maybe it's somebody who you would consider lost, someone who's kind of wandering aimlessly and searching for true meaning in their lives. Maybe it's someone who you know is is wading deeply in a destructive, sinful lifestyle. Our challenge last week was to identify those people, to actually write them down on a little note card. And if you weren't here last week, there are some inserts. Uh, I put them out on the circular table in the garden court. You can grab one on the way out. That's the B insert, by the way. Uh, And that stands for begin with prayer. We were reminded that the first step in any sort of evangelism that's worth anything is not having all the right answers or perfecting a certain method, but rather to pray for those that God has put on our hearts. And to be reminded that it's God that is in control and is working and releasing us from the need to to act as some sort of savior ourselves because Jesus has done that perfectly well without us. So I'd like for you to keep those names on your heart. Maybe you wrote them down last week. Maybe you're just thinking about them now. I want you to keep those close to your heart as we move to the second letter, step number two. After beginning with prayer, now we listen with care. We listen with care. I've been hyper aware this week uh, of the art of listening as I've been preparing for my sermon. I started with this premise a couple weeks ago, and, and here it is. Listening is a dying art form, and most people are not good at it. I really believe that. I mean, we all listen on a daily basis. My guess is that we spend a lot of our day listening to other people. And we have the option to listen with care or to listen poorly. I'm not sure how to quantify it, but I have this sneaking suspicion that we might be at our all-time poorest listening proficiency as human beings. Just a guess. What with technology's inevitable skewing of what it means to actually interact with another human being, coupled with increased isolationism and people who are frantically moving from one thing to the next, it's a recipe for a society of poor listeners. Now, I promise that I'm not reflecting on any particular person when I say this, but, but I can't tell you how many times I leave a conversation with someone, sometimes even a conversation that's an hour or more over coffee, and I say, that person didn't ask me one good question. That person wasn't listening at all. I think most people are pretty poor listeners. So I've been pretty intent on listening well this week. But I've realized something this week. Listening well is hard. It's a hard thing to do. Not because it's, an actually, it's actually a hard thing to do, 
but I think it's because at least I have picked up so many bad habits. I realize that while I can often not feel heard by other people, so too, if I'm not disciplined, if I'm not really thinking about listening well to others, they're not going to be heard by me. All this to say that listening with care is probably our best evangelistic tool that we have because it is so very countercultural. I had a friend who lived and worked in the area for a few years and, and moved away a couple of years ago. And I, and I was realizing this week how much I've missed him. Uh, not because we got to spend that much time together, we had a huge chunk of life together, but because he was a great listener. I would seek him out as a friend. Even if I wasn't sure what I wanted to talk about, I just felt like I need, to, I need to grab coffee with him because he was such a good listener. He never interrupted. He asked good reflective questions. And more importantly, I knew that he was taking what I said and, and, and would take it in prayer and would draw me back to Scripture. If you're that kind of friend for other people, I think you're going to find people are drawn to you as well because that kind of listening really ministers to people because it is in, sh in, in such short supply. When we listen well, we're doing something else too. We're following in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus engaged many people through conversation. And when he did, I, I, I see a man who met every person where they were and, and listened well to them. He asked good questions. He got to the heart of the conversation. He left people feeling heard and safe and valued. And it would be really easy this morning to look at a number of different examples of how Jesus listened to other people and say, this is how we're going to model our listening. But I'm not going to do that this morning because I don't think it's realistic for us to listen like to people like Jesus did. I don't. Because he had one super significant built-in advantage. He already knew people before they started sharing their hearts. He could hear them before they said anything. He didn't need to listen to know their confusion or their pain or their anger or their deep joy. He already knew their hearts. So in some ways, doesn't this make him the most remarkable listener that's ever walked on the face of the earth? He didn't have to listen to get to people's hearts, but he did anyways. But we don't have that advantage. We have to listen well to understand people's hearts. We have to listen. And I think that's what Paul is getting at in the book of Philippians chapter 2 when he's telling the Philippians how to live. And he says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Notice he didn't say, uh, look at Jesus and do what Jesus did. Because that would be overly simplistic and that would be really quite impossible in some ways. The best translation of this clause is actually live with the same mindset that Jesus Christ had. Live with the same mindset. And what was Jesus' mindset? Paul explains this mindset in verses four, uh, 6 through 8 when he says, Who, though he was in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What was the mindset of Jesus? To empty himself, to humble himself, to not look to his own interests, but to sacrifice for the sake of others as a sign of his obedience to his heavenly father, exemplified by his willingness to die for you and for me. That's the Jesus mindset. 
Paul says that such humility and emptying and sacrifice should be our mindset as well. So this Philippian text isn't explicitly about listening, but I think it is totally perfect for our conversation about listening with care today. Because the art of listening well, listening with care, is having the mindset of Jesus. When Paul says that Jesus was obedient to death, I'm reminded that we're called to that same obedience. So we have to die to ourselves every day. We choose to die to our ambitions, our needs, our status for the sake of others, just as Jesus did for us. And surely, good, intentional listening is going to require us to die to ourselves so that something else might have a chance to live. But the fruit of this obedience is surely met in the criterion that Paul sets in verses 2 through 4 when he says, Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. When we're adopting a Christ mindset, this is the result. We're not selfish. We're looking to the interests of others. And we're regarding the other as more important than ourselves. So, let's look at a few things that are going to make us excellent listeners. That's the goal of today. I'm going to use themes from Philippians 2, and then I'm going to reference three paragraphs from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's brilliant little book, Life Together, because I think that they're probably the three most important paragraphs outside of the Bible on listening. So three things. First, excellent listening requires patience. Excellent listening requires patience. Here Bonhoeffer gives us something to avoid. A kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say is an impatient, inattentive listening that is only waiting for the chance to speak. You know how that feels, right? I've been working a lot on trying to listen with more than half an ear. When I do listen with only half an ear, I'm, I, I realize I'm interrupting people. I'm forming my response while someone is still talking. I'm wondering what that buzz was in my pocket. But listening with two ears means that we are attentive and we're patient. And there is a great benefit to us in being patient listeners. When I reflect back on my conversations with others, when I've, well, I've sought somebody out because I need to share something significant that's going on in my life and I, and I need to be heard by someone else, I will rarely come right out in the beginning of that conversation and say, here's the deepest, uh, most important thing on my heart right now. I'll usually ease into that conversation, right? Meaning that if the person listening to me is want to interject or railroad me or check their phone, I'm not likely to get to the heart of what I want to share. So I want you to think about that, that name that's on your heart. What would it look like to be patient with them and to listen to them well this week? To give them an opportunity to get at what's on their heart. I think you would need to listen well and let them complete what they want to say in full. And then you're much more, much more likely to get to the heart of that person and the heart of that conversation. Second thing, excellent listening is an act of love. 
you get the sense as you study the Gospels of Jesus that he was listening with care because he loved these people. Blind Bartimaeus, the bleeding woman, the centurion, the woman at the well. It's as if Jesus' love for these people seeps through the pages as we read it. And it's hard for us to listen well to other people if we don't have love in our heart for them. David Augsburger says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Taking on the mindset of Christ means that we're so full of love for this person that we are prompted to listen well. Poor listening rejects, but good listening embraces. Poor listening diminishes the other person, while good listening invites them to exist and to matter and to be loved. As you think about that name on your heart, do you already have love in your heart for them? If so, I think it should be easier to listen well to them. If not, Bonhoeffer writes this, the beginning of love for the brother or sister is learning to listen to them. Sometimes when we listen well to others, we learn to love them. Third thing, excellent listening is a reflection of our relationship with God. I think Jesus was able to listen well to others because of his relationship with his heavenly father. We know that Jesus often retreated to a quiet place to, to listen well to his father. And so too, I think the best listeners in my life have been the ones who I know are spending time with God in their own lives, spending time listening to him. Bonhoeffer says, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either. He'll be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to be spent keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his own folly. Ouch. There is a direct connection. I was aware of some of my bad listening habits this week, but nothing was more convicting to me than this. If I'm interrupting in, in others and, and getting distracted and being selfish and, and not fully engaging and listening, it's probably because I'm doing the exact same thing with God. And I'll admit that's been true for me lately. It was convicting this week. I've been listening to him probably with only one ear at best. I haven't valued the presence of God as I should. So it's no surprise that I'm aware of some of my deficiencies in listening to others when I'm not listening well to God. These go hand in hand. I know what it's like to have somebody listening poorly to me. And the last thing I want is for God to feel that way about me. So with these three things in mind, I, I want to go back. I started this morning by stating that listening with care is one of the best and most countercultural evangelistic tools that we have, in part because so many people have a deep hunger to be heard, and they might not even know that they have this deep hunger because they are so unaccustomed to people listening well to them. I want you to think about that name that you've written down and what it might look like for you to listen to them with care this week. Is it over a cup of coffee? Or catching them while they're pulling out the recycling bin to the curb? Is it going for a walk? 
Or is it cold calling them just to listen? Whatever it looks like, I want you to know that that conversation is the most incarnational, Christ-like thing that you can do. It's likely to be the best ministry opportunity that you will have each and every day. Paul wasn't just telling us to have the mindset of Christ because it's a good way to live. He was saying, have the same mindset of Christ so that you can be Christ to somebody else. One last thing. There's a, there's a clause in this Philippians text that keeps screaming at me. Verse 2 says, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. It's the clause, being in full accord, that I had to spend a lot of time with because the, the translation is really kind of fascinating. The best translation I could come up with was actually being concerned for the one thing. Being concerned for the one thing and being of one mind. And it's clear from the grammar that this one thing that Paul's talking about is the mindset of Christ, the mind of Christ. When I reach out to people on my list this week, I could be doing so for any number of reasons. But there's only one reason that's actually important. And it's being Jesus to them. What if you and I both joined together in, in entering every, every conversation with the mindset that only one thing is important in this conversation? Not that we would sound smart or change a life or make a great point, but simply that we want to be Jesus to this person. What if our concern was for that one thing? I know that I would be much more excited to have conversations throughout my day with people if I kept this in mind. So I know that the word evangelism makes most of us squeamish. It makes most of us want to run away. Most of us feel ill-equipped to do evangelism. It's intimidating. But listening with care should not be intimidating to any of us. Right? This is something that we can all do, and we can all do it well. I see a pattern in Jesus' life where his willingness to listen with care created this fertile ground for the gospel message to, uh, of his love and his hope to, to take root in people's lives. So if we would be concerned with the one thing, listening for love of Jesus and love for the other, I think we create that fertile ground for the gospel message to take root as well. So let's take, take this one step at a time. Your step this week is to listen well with both ears to somebody because we desire to have the same mindset as the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want other people to know the love that Jesus, the great listener, has shown to us. Amen. By way of response today, I want to invite us to do something that we don't often do in church. Uh, I've set a challenge out to you to think about someone in your life who needs to be heard, someone who is, uh, doesn't know Jesus' love, who might be ministered to by just being listened to well with care. Before we set out to do that together this week, I want to give us a little space to just listen well to God. Because again, I think these things go hand in hand. So if you would, just close your eyes with me.